Welcome to another installment of Money You Should Ask. I'm your host, Bob Wheeler. In this episode, we're going to explore, question, examine, converse, dig deep, expose, laugh, and cry about the money beliefs, money blocks, and the life challenges of our next guest. Turn up the volume. Listen, learn, and laugh. I'm super excited today because we have Judy Carter in the house, and Judy's like done a million things. She's um, she's written books. Um, she's done stand-up comedy, and I always forget this, but she's a magician. Yes. President of the Tropical Fish Club. There you go. President of the Tropical Fish Club. I love tropical uh-huh. fish. Motivational speaker. She has done everything as she builds her empire, um, and... I want to also say that I actually took one of I took Judy Carter's work comedy workshop years ago with my good friend Vicky Barbalak and about a hundred other really good friends of mine that are still friends to this day. That's oh. where people bond. Yeah, you know, especially if you're bombing together. Yeah, Not that bombing. you guys bombed. You guys were great. No, we probably bombed. No, quite you're a bit. great. I I mean, I can't believe some of the students. I was watching this um, special comedy special. I went, this girl's a genius. Hannah Gatsfly, Gats, okay. Gatsfly, and I went. She's a genius, and she inspired me. And I went. Someone called me and said, "Oh, did you see one of your former students?" <laughs> and I was in oh. Australia. I went on did a comedy class, and I remembered her. And I was like, "Oh my god!" I mean, that's that's really the case of the student t- teaching the teacher because she blew my mind. Have you, did you see her? I didn't. I did thing on Netflix. No, Netflix I had to check comedy special. I'll check it out. She's well, how did it feel to see Vicky like on America's Got Talent? You know, that's the thing. Those girls really worked hard. Like they a did. lot of people want to be a stand up comic and they go like, I'm just going to smoke some pot. Right. And <laughs> I'm going to get up on stage and just like, you know, drop F-bombs. And um, yeah, that works. No, uh, that, <laughs> that, yeah, that sounds familiar. No, but I mean. It's there is a certain road to success, and I'm glad you're doing this podcast because yeah. uh, a lot of comics and creative types don't realize that you can make a living doing what you love doing. Like, yeah. see this shirt I'm wearing? Mm-hmm. Like three jokes. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> My, my house in Venice? Well, a lot. That, that was 727,000 jokes. Like, like of jokes. McDonald's. <laughs> well, you, well, you know, it's, but what you're saying about people working hard and like you can do what you like, live your passion. And I want to, because I remember when Vicki Barbalak volunteered for a weekend when you had a workshop up at Big Bear. And I don't know if you remember. And, mm-hmm. and, and so Vicki was, um, she, agreed to like help clean up and do all these things so she could be part of that weekend. And that's where I met Vicky. Oh yeah. Was that in Big Bear? Big, Big Bear. Bear. Like, yeah, we had a weekend um, where we got a lot of VIP yeah. people, producers, um, development people, agents, uh, writers, and got them together in Big Bear. And I, I just know that a lot of the people who had, did end up on like the finalists of America's Got Talent or on SNL. Um, <laughs> they were the ones who go, let me volunteer. Let me really learn. Let me really show up. Yeah. And I, I have to say that if you want to get paid, the very first step is you got to get good, right? Right. You know, gotta and you're not going to be good when you start. You'll, no. you'll get glimpses. Yeah. You know, I mean, just because you're bombing doesn't mean you're on not on your purpose in life. Right. Because, you know, we all do. Yeah. I've seen people that 
you would say this person will never make it. And then two years later, they're the most brilliant comic you ever saw. Are we, we're not making the names? Are we, making names? <laughs> <laughs> we dropping? No, no names. <laughs> no names. Well, let me ask you this. So I find this crazy. You were born in LA. Yeah. And you still live here, which is still rare, right? Yeah. To find LA people. Did your parents, um, your mom had a, had a store. Right. Wow. She, I, I do my re- did a little stocking. <laughs> and uh, and your dad was a mechanical engineer for the city. Yeah, for the city. Mm-hmm. And um, did they encourage you to do comedy? Did they encourage you? And you, I know you started doing magic when you were like in elementary school. Um. Yes. So um, you were in this all like early on. Yeah, and we weren't rich. I said to my grandmother who came here in 1921, "Why didn't you buy a little land in like?" <laughs> Beverly Hills? Yeah. And she said, what's a bean field? What? I'm a farmer. <laughs> I'm going to have beans? What? You know, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah she was Jewish. Anyway, um, but what happened was, I, I was a kid. I had a terrible speech impediment. I was really shy. And I really wanted to, one thing in my life, I wanted to do magic because I saw a magic show and I saw this magician saw a woman in half and put her back together. And I went, that's what I want to do. <laughs> I mean, I didn't want to be the assistant. Right. I never want to be the assistant. No, I good. want, I, and I didn't want to saw women in half. I wanted right. to put them back together. Which is probably better, Joffrey. Yeah. There's some- <laughs> I, I was like, I, I really, it was really true. I was, and I find that with anybody who makes a living doing what they love doing is that it really starts in childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, and it starts with something's wrong in your life. And I grew up in a family where my sister was severely disabled. And I wanted to have magic because I wanted to levitate her out of her wheelchair. Uh. And and I wanted that power. And, you know, I looked in the library and I got good. And I checked out books on magic. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I found out... Um, you know, it's, the instructions are in a book, and they give you patter, and I would memorize that because I had a terrible speech impediment. And um, and then I got a birthday party business, and I found my first uh, CRM database that I had when I was eight years old. Oh, my God. So I would go, the year after a birthday party, go, hello, Mrs. Johnson. Yes, we did. And I look at the card and go, <laughs> Richard? Yes, little Richie is now... Eight, you know, oh eight years old at the time. We had $2 and I was making a friggin' fortune. Yeah. And then I'd print up business cards and Majika the Magician. And at the end of, and I, you know, I still do this when I do corporate talks. It's so crazy, but I was doing it when I was eight. At the end of the birthday party, I'd say to the kids, now, wouldn't you want to have Majika the Magician do the special birthday party <laughs> trick for you? Well, I'm going to give you a card, and you're going to give this to your parents. And what are you going to say to your parents? Oh, my God. We, that's Right. And so, you know, I'm really not doing anything different um, than what I was doing, doing then, except, you know, I was doing magic, and then my tricks didn't show up. And it's like mafia place. Go, I, said, I can't go on. You know, my tricks aren't here. You're going on, little lady. I don't. I don't. <laughs> what tricks? Yeah, you're going on, right? You know. Oh, geez. And and then I switched to comedy, and I keep reinventing myself. Now I'm doing speaking, mm-hmm. and how do you like storytelling? That? Speaking you, is great. 
And you've, if I'm, I'm probably wrong here, but I thought you did a TED talk. Yeah, I did TEDx talk. I did a TED talk. I like my TEDx better. The TED talk was um, weird conditions, but um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I get to. I've spoken all over the world. Mm-hmm. You know, corporations hire you, and now in this phase of my life, I think all of us artists are trying to become our true, authentic self. Mm-hmm. And still be able to make a living. So it's that narrow line to how much do I sell out right. what I do um, and how close can I be to being authentic. Right. And I find that, you know, when you really take that gamble and you really create something that's truly, truly authentic um, and you sell it, <laughs> that's really great. Right. I think most of us have to have some kind of commercial job, you know, because, I mean, let's face it, when I'm performing for a corporation in North Carolina, I'm not being my, you know, right. true authentic Right. Self. You got to. You do a corporate gig. You, you got to be what they you want. You do not bring a vagina on stage yeah. with you, you when, when you do that. Yeah. You got you to gotta be what they want. You got to be what they want. And would you... Um, so you've been doing, you reinvented yourself, but you've been really doing the business model in a way since you were eight years old. Yeah. And where did that, do you, did that come from your mom or your dad? Did you just like, that was just something. I I came from my neighbor, PG. Uh, she was one years older okay. and uh, she knew PR and she got an idea. She said, I know what we need. She was my assistant. So okay, I got, she was, she I was got, PG in the, yeah. I got a dollar. I we got two dollars, so I gave her seventy five cents, and I got a dollar twenty five. And she said, "We need to bump up, you know, our clients. <laughs> you know, just remember, you know, we're like eight years old eight years and old. nine years old. This time, I think we're nine and ten. And I had a speech impediment, so I had to write down everything to say and practice it. So she said, "Let's call the L.A. Times and let's do a backyard benefit. I for Cedar Sinai Hospital. That'll be great." And we did it. She called up the L.A. Times. I am a girl magician. I'm doing a backyard better. They came. That's so great. <laughs> was this spread. So PG taught me about putting yourself out there. Um, and and then along the way, you know, when, when everything fails and you end up really down, um, which happened to me, you know, where you just go, I can't go on with what I've, I'm doing. And I mm-hmm. think we all have that those places in our life. And then you have to very often, even that very thing you're making money from stops working. You have to reinvent yourself. Yep. And that happened to me. Did you, was the book a reinvention? Like when you wrote the first book? Um, this was, what happened was um, I was working comedy clubs um, and it was, it was, it just got really rough um, mm-hmm. working the clubs. They got to be like, you suck. Yeah. You're not and it's like I'm walking up to the stage, okay? <laughs> I'm not even on the friggin' stage. Right. And in the middle of that show, I just had a realization where they're yelling and they're heckling. They looked like a Fellini film. They were drunk. It was like in Long Island, I think. And I realized making drunks laugh is something I did at the dinner table. With, you know, right. My father was an alcoholic. And I went, I'd be the friggin' entertainer. I'll be standing up here in front of a bunch of drunks, breathing their friggin' secondhand smoke. I walked off stage and I stopped doing it. Wow. And I didn't know what to do, so I decided I wouldn't eat anything (laughs) 
until I got a sign from the universe, and it actually came in a book about money. Okay. And I thought I could share what I learned from this book where what I was doing was no longer working for me. Right. I mean, I was getting paid. Right. A lot of comics would go, oh, I'd love to be a headliner and get paid, but I, I, I was traveling 46 weeks out of the year. I couldn't have a relationship. I was never home. I'm always alone on the road. It was sucked. Do you think, um, I mean, I, I, I mean, I'm pretty sure I know the answer, but like it's more, I, it, it was difficult for women um, in the field of comedy for a while. I mean, I think there's yeah, because still... it's so easy now, Bob. Because it's so easy now. So easy. You know, I'm really glad we got <laughs> rid of that sexism thing. Oh yeah, it's all gone now. It's so gone. It's, everything's equal playing I mean, field. Isn't it great? It's great. It's, it's all Supreme good. Court Kavanaugh. It's like, all. It's all good again. So fair. <laughs> it's all good again. <laughs> well, let me ask you this: um, Do you think the belly room? So. I, I just recently saw an article that was re-released after Mitzi passed mm-hmm. about the belly room and um, talked about you and Diane Nichols and several other people. But Yeah, course- I loved how they called me Judy Carter. Not exactly a household name. You had to put that in there. Like I was oh, like, I oh, it's going that. great. It was going great. And there was not exactly a household oh. name. I went, okay, thanks a lot. That's hilarious. I didn't see that part. Um, but I but didn- I'm not a household name. But do you know what's good? I'm like living my best life, making a living. Yeah. And I just want to tell you people, there are people who become household names and they're very famous and they're such a small percentage of the people who are really working and having a fine life doing what they love. Doing exactly what they love. Because a lot of people think, I'm either going to make it big or that's it. And there's a lot in between. between. There's a lot in between. It's nice. You're not, you know. Right. And you don't have, yeah. Not at Denny's with the, like, you know <laughs> exactly now is it true that you broke your ankle on the stage at the comedy on the God, belly what did, you, did you read my diary uh, no, i, <laughs> I have to grab this article it had everything i was like this is insane I'm oh that it. was funny well there was sandra burn there was a group mitzi had go down to la jolla it was sandra bernhardt uh lotus weinstock uh, may she rest in peace uh, emily levine and myself, and I was doing, you know, I think at those times we were getting really wild when we did those shows. And I think I was doing um, a cheerleader song to my clitoris, something like that. Something like that. Is this the kind of show you can say? <laughs> yeah, clitoris? you can say it. You can say it. Is it's always a, a clitoris? It's been, it's I get been, confused. Yeah. But whatever. It was some kind of thing. I was going, yeah, or whatever. I think the joke was. can't remember what the joke was. But anyway, and I fell and... I said, help me up. And I had sprained my ankle or broke my ankle. And nobody in the audience would help me because they didn't They thought it was an act. Everybody was very scared of female comics. Like, (laughs) uh, I don't want you to, like, say something bad about me. Or, you know, I don't want, you know. That's so funny. Chopping them or something. You know what I'm saying? Like, people were Mm -hmm. very, very nervous about women making fun of them. And I think at that heart, there's that thing that people you know, are scared of. And that's why I just love Vicky Barbalak did so great. Yep. And, you know, and so many, so yeah. many women are like um, out there. So that's awesome. No, out there doing it. And did you, but do you think like the belly room served women or didn't serve women? You know, it's a bit of a, I mean, there is. Oh, it's separate. It's not, e- you know, yeah. separate, it's not e- you know, any place a woman or anyone can get stage time is awesome. Cause that's the thing. If you're interested 
and getting good, you have to get stage time. You know, right. of course, it helps to read my book as well. There you go. <laughs> Stand up but, the book and the comedy, comedy Bible. Bible. And there's going to be come spring. Well, you have to have me back because we have to talk about the Comedy Bible, the New Testament. Oh, the New I'm Testament. Busy Uh-oh. writing now. So now is that non-Jewish? The the New Testament. The New or, Testament. Because it's, uh... it's it's um gosh, it'll like turning. Water into wine, it'll turn your bad jokes into good jokes. That's horrible. I couldn't get it. I couldn't get it. Bad jokes to fine? (laughs) From wine to fine? I don't know. (laughs) No, it has nothing to do with religion. So um, anyway, but I wanted to tell you what, what, you know, when I didn't know what I wanted to do, how I found out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because it has to do with your show because it has money in it. Okay, cool. Okay, so I didn't know what to do. Yep. I'm not going to eat until I until get a sign. the universe gets a sign. Not even having apple juice, nothing. 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 Huh. Just, you know, my friends were going, there's a sign. Look at the billboard. You know, there's, I go, no, no. And I went out and I went out. But I found it in this book called The Seven Laws of Money that freaking changed my life. Oh, cool. Yeah. It's an old hippie book by Stuart, um, oh, the Whole Earth Catalog guy. And um, a lot of stupid poetry in it but it had seven laws and one of the laws said that money cannot be given to you on this law money be um freely you can't like your parents give you money the energy of the person who gave it to you is in that money Mm. with obligation of that money and you have to convert that money to your own energy. Now, I know this sounds very California. Yeah. Hopefully people listening are from California. Yeah. Woo. But my father had gotten, he left me stock after my mother died, like 40000 And he said, you're going to lose it. You're not going to be good. You're stupid. And he's really mean. You know, it was my first heckler in life. <laughs> and, and, no. and, and I went, you know, that's right. I'm going to sell half that stock. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to buy a computer, you know, and because it was 1980s. Yeah. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to write a play, and then I'm going to have that play produced, and then I'm going to go on television with that, and that's exactly what happened. Wow. And it was optioned by Warner Brothers, and guess what? That stock, that 20,000, I had 20,000 left over, it was an asbestos. If I hadn't sold it, it, it went oh, no. to nothing. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. That is so. That's that's one thing, and then the other. It said in the seven laws of money is, if you do what you do with a passion, money comes. Yep, and I believe that. I believe that. And then a real important law was, you can you only get as much money as you can keep track of. Ah. So you you as much as you can handle, meaning as much as you can balance, keep track of, keep mm-hmm. track of it. Yeah. So anyway, that book changed my life and and my views of money, and what's all about. So, um, and do you, was so do you st- like do you, has that been your guiding through line even now? Like with money, like paying attention to the energy and that when you receive it, it's got to now. I one of the biggest lessons is keeping track and mm-hmm. and the other big lesson is that nobody does things alone you have to enroll people and the way now to really um make something of yourself um cuz i have a podcast on the in the power of purpose and your purpose in life is 
and and the money you get in life is in direct relation to what you give to other people. So that's what a service is. That's what um, comedy is. You know, yeah. you have to. You're giving a service, and so what you need to do is give it away, like give it away as much as possible. And eventually, you do you do get paid for it. When I first started speaking, I just went, well, I'll talk about how humor can help people with stress and who needs to laugh. People have cancer. Okay, I'll call up Gilda's Club. And and, and I went, and I, I got something. They said, of course, we'd love to see that. Right. And I spoke there, and there was like two doctors. You see, like, can you speak to our, my physician's group? And we'll pay you, I think, my first paycheck was seven fifty. I went, oof, seven fifty. Seven fifty. I, I thought I'd just do it free. Right. And then there somebody wanted me, and then it goes up and up and up and up what you make as a speaker. So, but it comes from like, if you're listening to this, you know, you know what you love doing, and uh, get any job you can to support that. Right. And just do it and get as, as, as good as you can. Cause, and, and no matter how old you are. Right. Jeannie Robinson, you know what she's doing? Do you know who she is? I don't, but I don't, so I'm so funny, bad with Bob. names. I'm so bad with names. Oh, Bob, she's so funny. She's She was a former Miss America from oh, South uh, Carolina, and um, she's now working. She's uh, 76 years old, and she's selling out 2,000-seat theaters. Sweet. You know why? Because one of her videos about her husband, about oh, left brain, she calls him, oh, yeah, my left brain. And there is no comedy for ba- older baby boomers. Right. And so her video went viral, like wow. crazy viral, like YouTube. Someone right. shot her, her and she was going, I'm real mad. They shot it and put it on the internet. But guess what happened? Oh, man. They On YouTube, they can see which cities and how many clicks. And she goes to those cities, and she's friggin' selling out. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So don't think you're too old, or you're the wrong race, or you're whatever. It doesn't matter. You you just gotta do what you do with a passion. Yeah. Get good, right? Get noticed. Do something to get noticed, and then you'll get paid. And you get paid. Yeah. It's even better. And I well, it's interesting because I tell people that sometimes you take a job. It's not your passion. But it's this it's the road to your passion, you know, like, yeah, right. Because we can't always like a lot of creative artists. Some of the jobs don't we love doing it, but it just doesn't pay. No means to an end. Means to an end. What is the means? How do I get there? And so and that's where I think people sometimes, especially younger people, they want everything now instant. And you got to put in the work. I mean, look, Vicky, Vicky started. It's been a while, you know. She was doing it, I don't know how long, but at least five years. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so, I mean, you know, but it finally paid off. She's, I think she's just 61, I think she said, but 60. And <laughs> she went on a bathing suit. Oh, my God. <laughs> I love that. That was so great. That was brilliant. She's, you know, here's here's the thing. The, the road to authenticity um, doesn't happen the first week you're you're doing your, you know, your first book you write or the first play or the, you know, your stand-up set or the story, you know, it, it takes time to know who you are and, yeah. and your voice and your point of view. 
and and you're not going to get paid for it until that clicks and if you look at the great artists like uh, edward hopper they had his whole work on display in new york and you see his student years his years in paris and you know and then you see the definitive hopper which is you know at the diner with people staring alien and you go oh, oh. he's 50 there right you know he got it right that's when he became who he was meant to be right so we come into ourselves so in a way yeah because what else are you going to do but just don't think because you have a job selling insurance right or anything you do what you do to put food on the table and support yourself and and by the way if you are a um writer don't get a day job as a writer because then you don't feel like writing when you come home right. you know right. it's like they say that Manual labor is the best job for artists. So you can just leave it behind. Yeah, because let's say, you know, oh, I really want to be a performer. And so I got a job at Disneyland and I'm, you know, Sleeping Beauty. Right. You know, it's like, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of acting. Yeah. Right? Uh, right. So maybe now I'm who I'm supposed to be. No, I don't think so. Well, that reminds <laughs> I go up to Disneyland. I always go up to Sleeping Beauty. Wake up, bitch. Wake Nobody's up. coming. <laughs> Wake up. The prince Nobody's isn't coming. coming. You're going to be in the Come same on. role. Come on. Poor Time's Sleeping Beauty. up. I know. She has to start that day every day with waiting for the prince. Um, <laughs> not happening. That's funny. Well, it's when you're talking about that, that reminds me of – there was a point where I was doing stand-up comedy – and CFO at the comedy store. So I finish a set and I walk off stage and they're like, Bob, you need to go down to the manager's office. There's an insurance agent and you need to sign some documents. I'm like, it's nighttime. I'm doing comedy. And then you get them mixed up. You're at the insurance agent. Go, hey, how you doing? Hey, what's hey, up? Hey, drink yeah, up. Drink up. <laughs> Let's drink a drive. But so it, it's it's sort of hard to separate, you know, keeping the art separate from the workplace is uh, yeah, definitely yeah, that's important. Yeah, a bit close together. <laughs> it's, a lot, it's a lot close. That's why I usually run down to La Jolla. Yeah. But um, would you, what would you say, like, if you – do you have any um, beliefs that, like, your parents gave you that you're like, this is the belief I have about money or they told you something or – Yes, I, I, I really do and I'm trying to get over that. <laughs> I feel like I need a couch to lay down and <laughs> – yeah. You should say very soon, your time's up. Um, my father was in, from the Depression, mm. so he always would buy, like, the cheapest thing possible, um, you know, like, and um, bags of, you know, we, of tomatoes and potatoes. We had rotting, you know, things everywhere. And then he, we would always have to go to the theater or something, and we'd park, like, never in paid parking. It would be, like, a mile <laughs> away, and we're hiking. You go back and your car is broken into. It's just, you know, so now I'm having like, when do I stop being so frugal with myself and so cautious? And, you know, and I went to Bloomingdale's and, okay, it was a sale day. Okay, that's good. But it was like I bought jeans that were almost $200 and it was hard. Yeah. It was like in my stomach. It was like, ugh, yeah, it's their jeans. What am I? But they fit it's really good. Wow, you know they really fit well. And I'm going, I and I think that's wrestling. Like yeah. I'm going over Christmas to like a fancy resort. Mm-hmm. It's like, ugh, 
hiked up the rate so high just because it's Christmas. Yeah. It's the only time I could go. But really, really, that much $450 for a room? Really? Yeah. Uh, and it's like, so. And how do you get, th- how do you get, how do you push through that? Um. Do you just do it? Like when you bought the jeans, did you just like. Well, I have to go. I have to have a talk with myself. I have to go, okay, look. You're putting on that credit card. Is you're going to get frequent mileage from it. Like I have to. Keep, you have to convince yourself. I can't just go like I'm worth it. I can't do that. I I I I just can't. It's, it, it's, even now. Yeah, there's. there's but just, then then the debate is between saving money. It's like, um, okay, if I go all the way and drive to Costco, I'm going to save like four dollars on this gallon. Right. But it's going to take me more time than the gas station on the corner. So right. how much is my time worth? Right. It's, you know. No, you got to work. So I, a lot of issues here. You're there's bringing a lot up. Of, well, let me tell you. I just recently Money. went to the airport and told myself I was going to buy a, a, a coffee and pay airport prices and not have a meltdown. Because normally I'm like, why are you driving? You know, I like I take it yeah. out on the cashier because I'm so upset that I'm paying fifteen dollars uh-huh. or twenty bucks for you know a croissant. Take it out a, on, on the cashier. Was she a woman, Bob? It was. <laughs> <laughs> she was, but even if he was, I would have taken it out on him too. Okay, <laughs> I, I'd be equal in my we'll frustration. Talk about your mother now. Yeah, Mom. please. <laughs> uh, do you have two weeks? Um, yeah, no. So it was like, and so I actually got a bill, and it was like nineteen ninety five, and I was like, "Thank you so much. Have a great day." Even though I was like, "I can't believe I just spent three times the amount that I could have made it at home," but. I know it's like, do you bring your own? Here's the here's the decisive thing. When you go to the airport, mm-hmm. do you bring an empty plastic bottle that you'll then fill up with? I haven't water. I, have you done that? I haven't done. I've seen other people do it, and I'm <laughs> I've started thinking about it because I've seen people at the sinks doing. I'm like, that's not a bad idea. So when what's the line between ecology? Because that's like it's eco- right, it's a good, ecologically right. sound, and we're just such so friggin' cheap. I'm super frugal. I'm trying to change, but it's difficult. I know. I like like seeing money in the bank. (laughs) Is it the number? Do you have a certain number that you like? No, I just... uh, You know, this is hard. I love this show because nobody talks about money. Everybody lies about money. But there are... You know, you can say, I love you a lot easier than you can say, hey, give me the money you owe me. Give me the money. (laughs) Yeah, Exactly. No, that's and that's actually love this. Yeah, so I never thought about this stuff. The emotional—it's so emotional. And actually, Sean Pulaski was one of the reasons that I like finished a book that I was writing about the emotions of money because she was also talking about how I didn't know. I thought everybody had the download on how to do money, and I'm the only one. I was like, not at all, not at all. There's so many people. Here's another thing: they go like, oh, you know, get advice from people and stuff and go to a professional. Every time I've done that, I've lost money. <laughs> You've lost money. I know a lot of bad professionals, <laughs> Yeah, 2008. You know, you should invest in these yeah. real estate REITs, yeah. you know. Buy high, sell low. <laughs> you know, it's the way it works. Well, we are about out of time, so I am so appreciative you came here. How do people find you on social media? Well, I have a little gift for your listeners. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That it, I have, I've got a book for people to notice. Um, it's called uh, The Message of You to Find Your Message. And, and your message happens 
in the small stories of the day. So it's about finding extraordinary stories in ordinary day. And it's a journal that people write in. Oh, cool. I'm going to give it to everybody free. It's a download, and then you can write in it. And someone just told me, like, she put together an entire show based on what she learned from that. Oh, so wow. to get it, all you have to do is send me um, an email to free, F-R-E-E, at my name, judycarter.com. So free at judycarter.com, and I'll give your listeners um, this book. Because I am following my own advice, you know, give it away. Cool. Give it away. You give it away, give it away, give it away, and then you get paid. Then you give it away, give it, then you get paid something. You get paid. Yeah. Pay it forward. Exactly. Nah, that is beautiful. Well, I am so appreciative of having you here uh, to remind everybody you're listening to Money You Should Ask. I'm your host, Bob Wheeler. You can check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and you can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Stitcher. Until next time. <laughs>